Good evening, everybody. Well, hello. My name is Pastor Ursula. I'm the performing arts pastor here. And uh, for some of you, you, you may not know me because this is kind of not my world. Uh, if you're working with acting or writing or even if you're a part of the kids' Christmas production, maybe you would see this face. Um, so I just want to kind of give you just a small glimpse uh, into to who I am. Uh, like I said, I'm the performing arts pastor here. And um, I'm married to an incredible man. His name is Pastor Matt. And he is um, one of our associate pastors at our um, Medina Valley campus. And we, um, we have two beautiful children. Uh, Miriam Sunshine just turned four in May and Israel Matthew just turned 10 months last Thursday. And I will tell you this, God cares about big prayers and he cares about little prayers. Let me tell you why. I was very specific when I prayed over my babies. Now, I prayed long-lasting, spiritual, all that good stuff over them, right? But I also prayed very specifically that they would have a beautiful smile, that they would have super curly hair, and that I would have one light baby and I would have one nicely tan caramel baby. And so every time I look at them, it's just a little reminder that God hears those prayers, okay? And I will say this about other prayers. I will say this. When I met my husband before he was my husband, he made a promise to me. He promised me that no matter what, no matter where we went, no matter what we did, that he would always make my dreams come true. And I will tell you this, there has not been a day that has gone by that he has broken that promise. And so for all of you young people in here or those still praying and saying, okay, God, this is what I want in my spouse, Jesus. Be specific, because he hears them and when he grants it, you know it's God. So that's my family. That's a little bit about me. And then I'll let you in just, just a, a, smaller, uh, a smaller glimpse. Um, I actually have my in-laws here. Um, and they are amazing. They actually live right across the street from us. Okay? Like my driveway, doo, 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 their driveway. Okay? Now, you're probably thinking, oh, is this like an everybody loves Raymond kind of thing? Um, and you know, just blink if you need help. Uh, no, actually it's the opposite. Uh, my husband and I tend to go over there and visit them more often. Oh, is it dinner time? Oh, there's steaks on the grill? Oh, oh, oh you want us to stay for dinner? <laughs> I mean, I was gonna make a wonderful pot roast, but since you insisted, we'll stay for dinner. Um, they're just wonderful, they're blessings, they help us out tremendously. And then um, the Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due, and um, I want to give honor to my parents. Uh, they actually live in Florida, and uh, my mom works in the school system, and uh, my dad is retired, so over the summers for the past four years, they actually come and stay with us. And basically, Matt and I don't do a single thing. They like take care of the house, they take care of the kids. They are like the best thing in the entire world. Um, but I will say this that everything that I am, 
the foundation in which I stand on is because those two prayer warriors set that for me. And so I just wanted to say thank you. And the last thing I'm going to mention before I move into my message, like I said, I'm, I'm the performing arts pastor here. And actually, I, I get a really awesome honor during the summer, and I get to work with middle and high school students. So we're actually in the process. This was the third day of our summer theater camp. And so for the past couple days, 60 students have been coming on summer vacation at 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, to learn and grow in the gifts and the talents that God has given them. And it is so refreshing and rewarding. I've got 15 leaders saying, hey, I'm with you. Let's do this. And so I just want to encourage you in the room, if that's something that you're saying, man, I wish my student could get involved or I enjoy the performing arts. We actually have a performance this Friday at 7 p.m. and then Saturday at 10 a.m. They're both the same, so you don't have to come to both. But if you want to, come. It's in this main auditorium. Come and just see what God is doing in the students of Westover. You see, I love a lot of things, but I'm passionate about a few things. I'm very passionate about my family. I, I, I'm a, I, I count myself blessed to have a strong family that has taught me who I am. The second thing I'm very passionate is about performing arts. I, I, I'm a huge advocate that you can take the message of the gospel and with performing arts, you can bring it to life and people will walk away going, so that's who this Jesus is. And it just changes their life forever. But the third thing I'm extremely, I, I, I believe with all my heart that I was placed on this earth for was this. I believe in people's dreams. If you have a dream in here, and maybe you've never told anybody about it, or maybe you have a dream and everybody thinks you're crazy, come find me. I will be your biggest cheerleader. Because I truly believe that when you discover the purpose that God has for you, like the reason why you were placed on this earth, you're unstoppable. So tonight, what I'm here to do is to tell you that you were made to last. See, in Psalms 33, 6 through 11, it says this. The skies were made by God's command. He breathed the word and the stars popped out. He scooped sea into his jug and put ocean in his keg. Earth creatures, they bow before God, world dwellers down on your knees. And here's why. He spoke, and there it was, in place the moment he said so. And he took the wind out of Babel's pretense, and he shot down the world's power scheme. God's plan for the world stands up. All his designs were made to last. I want you to picture that for a moment. You see, he spoke everything into existence with purpose and intention. When he said to the skies, stay in place, they did. The waters flowed and they moved at his command. And in verse 12, it states clearly that all his designs, you and I, 
were made to last. You were made to last. I was made to last. The design he set in motion was made to last and make an impact. So here's the first thing you need to know. We all have a blueprint. In Psalms 139:13 through 16, it says this. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship and adoration. What a creation. See, you know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You knew exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted, sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I lived even one day. When God created you, he created a blueprint. And I look at it like this. When I live my life, every choice I make, this, this is how I thought for ever since I, I can remember. Understanding this concept that God designed me on purpose with a blueprint. Every choice I make, I, I, I think, okay, I think I hear God in this, and I'm moving this way, and okay, let's go this way, and this is where the X is, and this is, this is where that big square is. Okay, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. So ultimately, the day the Lord calls me home, I'm going to walk up to his throne. I'm going to take the blueprint that I lived out. I'm going to place it at his feet. And he's going to take the blueprint that he designed and he's going to place it at his feet and they're going to match. That is what I live for. That's what we should strive for. That our blueprint at the end of time would match what God has designed for us. See, the definition of a blueprint, it's a guide for making something, a design or a pattern that can be followed. So when God created your blueprint, he created it on purpose as a design to follow. All that you are and all that you hope to be, God's already seen it. You see, it's what Psalms 139 says. All the days of my life prepared before I even lived one day. God's not surprised by what this life brings us. He's not caught off guard by what this life brings us. I, it's interesting that uh, how this whole blueprinting was invented. Let me give you a little history lesson for those that like history. Um, in, 1840, in 1842, this whole concept of blueprinting was designed. And so here it goes. Um, basically, I'm going to paraphrase this for you. So it takes a copy on a translucent paper of what, what is drawn. And then another copy of a very sensitive piece of paper comes mixes with a couple of chemicals, okay? It's exposed to light 
and then it's washed in water. So the negative of that image appears white against the dark blue, okay? I tried my hardest on that one, okay? But listen to what it says a little clearer. Design mixed with chemicals exposed to light and then washed in water. And there's your blueprint. If you want to understand the design that God has for you, then you need to be exposed to the light of his presence and washed in the water of his word. Do you understand? Because God designed, when he made that blueprint, he designed it on purpose because you were made to last. Now, not all blueprints are the same, okay? And I think sometimes, and I will raise my hand because I'm real guilty thanks to social media, it gets real easy to compare. Well, look what they're doing, and okay, if I go to this college, then I'll get that dream, and then I'll get that man. All right, I see it. Okay, just follow the pattern. But see, God didn't do copy-paste, repeat, copy-paste, repeat. No, he took time on you, bit by bit. He sculpted you from nothing into something. Okay, so like I said, I, I, I have two kids, right? So I got a four-year-old and a 10-month-old. So this four-year-old used to live in a crib for a long time. I mean, for three and a half years, Miriam loved her crib. You know why she got kicked out of her crib? Because her baby brother needed to live in the crib. Not, at not one point... Did I ever, like, oh, is she going to climb out? Is she ever going to get up? I don't know. No, I felt like she was going to live there till she was 25. She loved it. <laughs> right? Come Bubba, that's what we call my son Israel, okay? I said he turned 10 months. At nine months, I'm like hearing things. I open the door to his room, and there he is standing on his feet, looking at me with a grin like, I want to get out. And I'm like, what is happening? For three and a half years, your sister was just fine. Nine months, you're already about to jump out and hurt yourself. But see, I can't copy paste what Miriam does to what Israel does. They were designed differently. So I have to be ready for that. So you have to understand that. And doesn't that make God so amazing? That he took that time on you because he loved you that much. That your life matters that much. That you're different than than your sibling, than than your parent, than your co-worker. He loved you that much. And throughout that Psalms, what, what I also love about that is that, see, he didn't just design you and then leave you. He didn't just say, oh, there's my creation. They'll be just fine. Just do something. You'll be all right. Roll in, ro- you know, roll in the dirt. You'll, you'll make it. No. It says that where can I go that your presence would not find me? No matter how high I go or in the depths, you look for me. Do you know why? Because he's your 
creator. He's your designer. And he's saying, where's my creation? Where's my design? I want to make sure they're doing what they need to. I want to make sure that their purpose and their call, that they're, they're following it. I want them to know I have a blueprint that at the end of time, when they show me theirs, that they'll match. That he's with you. We all have a blueprint. The second thing I want to tell you. You see, the closer we are to Jesus, the clearer our purpose becomes. See, in, in Proverbs 20, verse 5, it says this. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. See, gaining clarity in your purpose, it requires a deep dive into the heart of God. Someone, someone said it like this. We, they compared it to a deep well where, where the water, it, it's deep below the surface of the ground. And in order to get that water, you had to have significant ingenuity and labor. And see, only creative and diligent people would identify the means and put forth the effort because most would look elsewhere for easier water. It's a lot easier to ask your friend what your purpose is. It's a lot easier to put a status report on Facebook and just get the feel of our purpose than it is to tell a friend, hey, I can't go out tonight. I have, a, I have an appointment with my designer. See, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And if I keep going out here or if I keep going over the same thing with my coworker, just talking and talking and talking, and they're talking and talking and talking, and nothing is changing, I'm missing something. Do you know what you're missing? You're missing the presence of God because in the presence of God, it's clear what your purpose is. But see, here's something about your purpose. God's not going to show you everything at the same time. See, in Ecclesiastes 3 it clearly states, there's a time and season for everything under the sun. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to, to weep and a time to rejoice. A time to plant and a time to uproot. It just keeps talking about these seasons in our life. Because if God would show us all that he wanted to do in us and through us at the same time, we would scream running for the hills, okay? Listen, like I said, I was born in Florida. I was raised in Florida. I don't know if I told you that, but my parents are in Florida, so now I'm in Florida. Let's get there. We're together now. So I was born in Florida, raised in Florida. That's home. That's home for me. So if God would have spoke to 15-year-old Ursula, and said, hey, guess what is going to happen to you in your mid-twenties? 
you're gonna leave everything you know, move to a state you've never been and heard it's really prideful, know nobody there except one person, meet your husband, have children, and be a pastor. So what do you think about that? I would have laughed and said, okay. But when I look back at my life now, I see the seasons that brought me to the greatest country in the planet, like my husband would say. <laughs> Texas forever. Okay? So we have to understand that God shows you what you need to see for the season you're in to get you to where you need to go to the purpose he has for you. So don't grow weary in your season because in that season he's showing you something. Maybe he's asking you, give this up. Or maybe he's saying, I want to give you this, and I'm going to move you into this season. And in this season, I'm going to give you more and not take so much. But in the next season, I'm going to take a little bit more and give you a little. There's a season for everything. And here's what you have to keep in mind. God is faithful. We have to remember that, that what he said he will do, he will do. You just got to trust him in the season because we were all made to last. The last thing that I want to talk about being made to last is this. See, your past does not dictate the outcome of your future. I'm going to tell you a story about a man in the Bible. A man named Samson. You can find it in Judges 13, verses 16. I'm going to paraphrase some of this stuff. Some of you guys may know his story as clear as can be. Some of you may not. So let me tell you about him. See, Samson was set apart from birth. An angel of the Lord came to his mother who was barren and said, you're going to give birth to a son. But here's his blueprint, a part of his design. He's going to be a Nazarite. No razor should ever touch his scalp and no wine should ever touch his lips. He's going to be a deliverer from my people, the Israelites. And so Samson was born and he knew that blueprint and he walked in the presence of God and, and he knew what his purpose was. You see, in, in, in scripture, it says multiple times that the spirit of God came upon him and he did mighty things. He knew what his blueprint was. He walked in the presence of God that got him as clear to his purpose as possible. There came a point in Samson's life, he just got a little lax. And maybe, just maybe, he got a little comfortable 
And his agenda kind of switched. And his wants and his needs and his desires, they kind of shifted. And the presence of God and the desire to follow him kind of went to the side. And he met a woman, Delilah. And the Philistines came to Delilah and said, we want to know where this man's strength comes from. Do whatever it takes. So she runs to him. The Bible says she nagged him. Nagged him. What is this? Where's your strength come from? That's what nagging sounds like. Where's your strength come from? And so three different times he, he made up, he made, oh, if you, you tie my hands with this kind of rope and if you braid my hair, oh, three different times, three different times. And each time she would, she would do what he said and then she would say, Samson, wake up, the Philistines are here. And he would get up and he would just be mighty and beat them all up. And then she'd cry and She'd ask him again. Now listen to me. Do you, did, you, did you hear what I said? Three different times. What did you think at the second time when Samson got up, he'd say, this is a problem. Like, what you trying to do? But he was playing with fire. Because, see, he knew what would happen. That he would wake up and the spirit would be upon him and he would do mighty things because he was used to that. But see, the fourth time, she nagged him just enough that he said, okay, here it is. If you cut my hair, I have no strength. And so he laid his head in her lap, and she took to shaving him. And she said, Samson, wake up. The Philistines are here. There's a lot of scripture verses in the Bible that, that make me kind of shiver in my spine. And this is one of them. This is what the word of God says in Judges 16, 20. Samson awoke from his sleep and he thought, I'll go out as I did before and I'll shake him. But what he did not know is that the spirit had left him. And they beat him and they gouged his eyes and they threw him in a dungeon to rot. But I didn't come here to tell you the, that's the end of Samson's story. I told you I'm here to tell you that your past does not dictate the outcome of your future. See, what they didn't know is that while he was in jail, the little hairs began to grow. And what you don't know is that the season you're in, your faith is beginning to grow. Do not discredit the season that you're in because let me tell you how his story ends. 
He tells the servant, find me the place in which the structure of this building stands. And he places him where those two pillars are. And he says this phrase, sovereign Lord, please remember me. Give me strength one more time. And with all that might, he pushes those pillars. And it says, thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Do you know what he was saying? Remember me. Do you remember the blueprint that you created from me? The one with a perfect design. I messed up. I failed. I tried so hard to do it on my own. But if you can do me one favor and remember the purpose that you spoke into my mother's womb before you knew me. And God said, my son, I've waited for that prayer for so long. And his story ends by doing more in that one act than everything he did before. Your past does not dictate the outcome of your future. You have a blueprint. God designed you knit by knit. He took his time on you. He sculpted you from nothing into something. He spoke purpose and destiny into your life. And the closer we get to his presence, the clearer our purpose becomes. And no matter what the enemy has lied to you, and what we have listened to plenty of times, the outcome, the past does not dictate the outcome of your future. You know why? Because you were made to last. When I think about God, who he is and what he's done, something that fascinates me is creation. The creative process as described in Genesis gives me hope. Let me explain. Since its inception, God had a design and a plan for his creation. Everything has a place. The birds have the air and the fish have the sea. So with every element he breathed into existence, he did so with intentions and purposes in mind. For example, he created light to distinguish night from day, land to separate the waters, animals to inhabit the earth, plants to feed them, and man to facilitate it all. He knew his creation the potential it possessed, and he was pleased with it. But that's not even the part that excites me. He equipped man with creativity and mental capacity. 
He gave me, like Liam Neeson, a very particular set of skills. And in the same breath, he gave each person an equally unique set of gifts and talents to glorify him with. But still, that isn't the part of creation that captivates me. Here it is. He thought enough of me to include me in his story. Not an ideal or perfect version of me, but me. That means every mistake I've made, every bad decision, every disappointment, every heartbreak and heartache, everything that has made me to become who I am or who I'm becoming was important enough to include in his story. And God doesn't make mistakes which means to me he couldn't imagine an existence of creation without me in it or you so live like it
And Lord Jesus, we thank you that we were made to last. Let it be more than just a moment or a service. Let it be the reason we remember who you are and who you called us to be. You're a good, good God. And we thank you for that. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here and joining us. We, we just thank you and we just pray that you have a lovely evening. You are dismissed. God bless you.